This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm Corey Wright. And I'm Melissa Moretti. I just noticed that intro there. I was very aggressive with the welcome there a little. You're really excited this morning. I'm really excited. Why am I excited, you ask? Because we have Ryan Wong on from Ryan, which is a commercial appraisal company. And he provides all of our insight on the front lines of what's happening. A lot of listeners may or may not know from the appraisal standpoint, from the commercial mortgage standpoint, these guys see everything. Most deals have to go through them at some point. So they're getting a first-hand interpretation of where the market is, what people are buying, where people are buying, maybe situations that maybe maybe areas that aren't going so well. So we have Ryan Wong on today to talk all about it. But before we get to that, we were talking here about the residential market before we hit this. And you casually said how you didn't seem very busy, but you were telling me about properties that were getting four and nine offers. Absolutely. So yeah. Tell me more about this. I mean, okay. So in general, I think nobody in the industry is super busy. Yeah. I think we've all kind of felt that way in the last few months, but you know, January, we felt an uptick in just activity in general. Yeah. If you look at the stats, you know, it doesn't really look like there was an uptick. So I think maybe that buyers are not necessarily pulling the trigger, but you know, open houses, offers, very, very busy. So I'm thinking, you know, we're going to see it in in the February stats to be determined. But, but you know, we we feel it first before any stats come out and we can just feel the activity, feel the interest. A lot of people are coming back and, you know, there's a little more urgency. You're really feeling that the sentiment sort of changed and, you know, the last six months people are, you know, they're like, hmm. I'm going to wait, right? They're on the sidelines. They're waiting for a better time, whatever it might be. And I think there's a lot of people who are really feeling like, okay, it may be, it may be a good time. I think a lot of that is probably to do with people having a little bit more certainty around interest rates. Yeah. So So what's driving these nine offers? Is it just lack of supply? And my other question is, are these offers, are these unconditional offers over asking prices? Yeah. We're seeing, you know, subject free over ask for sure. And I think, you know, their inventory is is relatively low. There isn't yeah. a lot in some markets, right? And it's it's sort of been the sentiment of sellers, oh, it's not it's not a great a great time to sell, right? Yeah. You're seeing a bit of that. So yeah, it's it feels like it's shifting a little bit. And, and what markets are these crazy offers? You say it so casually. What what markets yeah. are you seeing this? Well, I mean, you hear it sort of anecdotally. I mean, we operate mostly in Vancouver. So I'm I'm, you know, we're we're downtown for the ones that I'm referring to here, but um you hear it anecdotally in the valley and yeah, it just sort of seems like maybe it's a little bit spotty, a little bit of it de- it depends on the property, right? Like if it's a good property and it's priced well, it seems to be you know, the activity is good. So so are we going back to like pandemic? Well, that's what I said. Numbers where I, like things are going to start to take house off. I did an open house on the weekend, and I said, like every time I came down to the lobby, I was like, "This feels like 2021." 
like this was like I had 10 people waiting for me when I came down to the lobby. And I- so how many people would you get through the open house? Like that crazy open house. How many people got through it? Yeah, I would say probably 20 groups. 20 groups. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it feels like it was yesterday we were talking to people and they're just saying how there's like no activity. Everything's dead. No one wants to buy anything. No one can qualify. And then we fast yeah. forward to the first week of February and off we go. Yeah, it feels that way. Would you be a seller or a buyer right now in the would residential I- side? Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) think, would I be a seller or a buyer? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's still opportunities for buyers. Absolutely. I think that, you know, if you're more realistic as a seller, it's a, you know, not a bad time to sell. It's very much a balanced market, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So, so like, is this the the rockets ready to launch at this point? Is that where we're going? Like people are just going to come out of the woodwork and start buying again and the pricing is going to go up? I guess we'll see. To be determined. To be determined. Heard it here Ask first. Ask me in a couple of weeks. Ask in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So before, without further ado, let's get to our great interview today with Ryan Wong of Ryan talking all about commercial appraisals. All right, let's go. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. Impact Commercial. John, Allen, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. So we're here today with Ryan Wong, Director, Valuation for Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, for all of our listeners there, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So I'm a uh, commercial real estate appraiser based here in Vancouver. We were actually acquired a couple of years ago by what is now Ryan LLC, which is a large group based out of Dallas. It's a a global tax advisory firm with offices spanning from from Dallas to Australia. We've got about 5,000 staff. Prior to being acquired, we were a privately held real estate appraisal and property tax valuation practice that was all started in Vancouver, had been around for 40 plus years. And under the old firm, I was one of uh, eight partners there. Wow. So we're, I'm excited to have you on the show today. Obviously, I, I know you through, through the, the business channels that we operate within, but from the appraisal standpoint, you guys are on the front lines. You guys are seeing deals. You're seeing the evaluation process. You're seeing that stuff. I'm excited to find out more what have you guys seen over the past few years and few months. But maybe before we dig into that, for all of our listeners, can you maybe sort of provide a little bit of guidelines of sort of what a commercial appraisal would encompass? Maybe some, for some of our listeners that may be used to like a condo appraisal? Yeah. So, I mean, in that context, we're, we're frequently engaged um, by individual purchasers when they're looking for some type of financing. So they'll take our appraisal and go to their bank and the bank will ultimately rely on our appraisal to determine you know, if they want to finance the deal and how much they're willing to lend on it. So when you look at larger projects and, and we get involved with you know, entire condo projects, industrial facilities, office buildings, shopping centers, you can imagine that that process gets a little bit more complex. There's um, cash flow analyses and that sort of thing that um, are, are over and above what you would expect in a typical condo appraisal that someone might uh, be more familiar with. So Ryan, you guys, like I said, you guys are seeing everything that's happening. You're seeing that. How have the last, say, let's go back two years, then maybe bring us up to here. So we were sitting in the middle of, of, of probably the lowest interest rates in history that we may never see again in our lifetime. 
Now we fast forward two years and now we're probably seeing one of the steepest inclines in interest rates, which hopefully we've kind of hit a, hit a peak on those. Can you maybe just walk us through going back two years and sort of coming forward of what you guys have seen on the front lines there, the appraisal side of it? Yeah. So it's been, you know, for, for two years ago, it's kind of an interesting time because we were one year into COVID at that point. And I would say in the six, first six to nine months after the pandemic hit, there was a lot of um, hesitancy and, and no one really knew what to make of the market. And they were, they were sort of waiting on the sidelines. But once we started to emerge from that a little bit in 2021, the market and across a variety of asset types really started to take off. And there were a couple of asset types in particular that seemed to do really well, arguably better than they did. Well, not arguably, they, they did certainly better during the pandemic than they did prior to the pandemic. And the first one would have to be industrial. And I think uh, the need for distribution space and warehousing definitely emerged over the course of the pandemic as people allowed on e-commerce more, more than ever that more than they ever had done in the past. On the multifamily side, we saw people working from home more, obviously. And uh, the need to find uh, accommodations and that really sparked the multifamily market in, in ways that I don't think a lot of people might have anticipated. We're talking about rent growth of 10 to 20% over the last couple of years, or even the last 18 months or so. I don't think anyone really would have anticipated that sort of rapid increase in rents. Now, obviously, there was a lot of concern during the pandemic time of some of the industries that were some of the asset classes that were hit harder such as retail and even office. From the appraisal standpoint and what you guys were commissioned to do, did you guys see a decline in pricing maybe in those two asset classes? And if so, you mean, was there a relative value of decline that you saw? In the downtown market in 2022, I would say that there were very few um, large blocks of space that were able to be leased. You know, since that time, and say the last half of 2022, we've seen some of that sort of come back to the market and some space has freed up. But, um, you know, vacancy rates did increase over the pandemic as well. But I think organizations are still trying to, to figure out that, that proper work-life balance and, and what the space requirements look like moving forward. Have you guys seen that obviously trend upwards since the pandemic sort of, sort of behind us and people are kind of getting back to work? Have you seen values in retail and office sort of come back to normal levels, for lack of a better word? I think office rents have sort of stabilized the downtown core at least and and the broadway corridor on the retail side you know we we saw that the more secondary retail locations definitely suffered during the pandemic but some of the stronger locations have um outperformed their pre-pandemic levels now during that time too did you guys also see a shift in value maybe where the downtown core pulled off and then you saw things in like secondary and tertiary markets like bc interior Vancouver Island and maybe like Abbotsford and Surrey, did you guys see a tremendous uptick in those values? And if so, have those values come back down or are they kind of still there? Well, we are still expecting sort of upward pressure on cap rates. And, you know, it's not a linear relationship with interest rate movement. But when you do have interest rate movement, there is bound to be a little bit of upward pressure on cap rates just because the expectations and, and the opportunity cost rises, right? So, we don't see a lot of value change necessarily because a lot of the the income growth might be offsetting some of that upward pressure on cap rates. And when we when we talk about upward pressure for the listener standpoint, you know, pressure cap rates are coming up, which is essentially pushing pricing down on the same income. But you're saying you know the increase potentially in the income is outweighing that, so the value staying the same, just the cap rates that where properties are trading potentially might be going up. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And of course, it's general, but where you see that the most is probably on the uh, the multifamily side, on the rental apartment side, where rents went up considerably. 
and cap rate pressure is there, but you're probably still at the same value, if not a little bit higher than you were during you know peak times prior to the interest rate movement. So I come from the residential real estate space, but I'm wondering what are the methods that you guys use in commercial to evaluate and appraise a property? Obviously, we use you know basic comparables. I understand it's a little bit different in commercial. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's two main uh, forms of methodology when you're looking at any commercial or industrial type of assets. And the first one would be an income approach where it looks at the cash flow being generated by a property. So a review of, of rents in the area, what your property is generating, coupled with an anticipated rate of return or a cap rate that forms your income approach to value. The second one would be the direct comparison approach. And whatever that metric is, price per square foot, price per acre, if it's large uh, industrial land, that's the secondary sort of approach. And in determining a final value, there's a reconciliation of the two approaches, why you think one might be more valid than the other. They both might have equal weight. It kind of depends on the circumstances and the asset type that you're looking at. And what are the risks associated for buyers if something doesn't appraise? Or, you know, in, in residential, basically, you've got to make up that difference of what you might get a mortgage for, right? Versus what you're paying for yeah. the property. Is that similar in commercial? Yeah, those are the same kind of concerns. Like you might have to put more equity in, in the deal. It can make a deal go sideways, to be honest, if um, purchase price is not in line with what the appraiser. And in, in residential, we don't see that very often. Is that the same in commercial where, you know, everything is sort of appraising at what it's what people are paying or? It's hard to say because oftentimes by the time the appraisal assignment lands on our desk, that contract has been negotiated weeks, months, if not years ago. So the price that a property might be under contract for might differ considerably from what the actual current market value is. But it's a little bit difficult to say. So Ryan, what I'm I'm interested to dig in with you here and dig into your numbers here a little bit. What areas have you guys maybe seen the most uptick over the past little while there from an evaluation standpoint? And what areas maybe have you seen prices pull off the most? I'd say the most, I would say the most rapid appreciation in the last 12 months, even though the last half of 2022 was a little bit slower, would have to be the uh, purpose-built rental space. I do a lot throughout the lower mainland, but in East Vancouver, West side of Vancouver, you can see how rents have really climbed. There's been a lot of onus put on things like the Kelowna market, both from like a local standpoint, national, even international from the investment standpoint. Same with Vancouver Island. Have you guys seen, uh, maybe not just the asset class multifamily, but have you guys seen a trajectory in asset values in those secondary tertiary markets? Because I know from a brokerage standpoint, we saw a lot of interest shift rapidly from the lower mainland markets into the secondary markets just because the cap rates were more attractive and they felt there was more runway on some of the rents. Yeah, that's that's true because you you saw a lot of um, rental rate movement in Kelowna, Okanagan, and you saw a lot of rental rate increases on the multifamily side in Vancouver Island, and you do get a little bit more yield in both of those locations than you would in the lower mainland. So yeah, I would agree with that. So moving forward here, now we're dealing with with high inflation still, interest rates. It sounds like we think we've kind of hit a peak on it. You know, time will tell where that sits right now, but we're we're probably hopefully at the the top part of it there. Let's go back a month two months, three months, as we're going through this, are you guys seeing prices start to come off on assets over the past three to six months as we're dealing with this rapid increase in interest rate and inflation? I would say generally, yeah. The first round of interest rate movement 
didn't really spark a whole lot of concerns from, from some of our clients in, in movements and effects on cap rates. But I think when you got down to the, the most recent increases in, in November and December, then you started to say it, it couldn't be ignored, right? So there had to be an adjustment. I don't think anyone would tell you there's been no adjustment in pricing. And where do you think things are going now? Obviously, now we've, we've, we think we've hit our peak. Are you seeing prices stabilize more so on the, on that front? Or do you think pricing is even going to continue upwards as we think we've hit a, a top in the interest rate level world? You know, I, I would sort of expect things to sort of um, level off as we move forward here. I think there is some opportunity moving forward as, as we enter the latter part of 2023 and we move through the rest of the year. There are certain asset types that I think will give some people that are experiencing this market some opportunity. One thing you hear out there quite a bit is when you're dealing with when you're acquiring commercial assets and probably more buildings and strata lots. One thing that you, we get a lot of pushback from the insurance world is getting a replacement cost appraisal. Can you maybe speak to a little bit of what an, a replacement cost appraisal is and why that's needed? Sure, that's replacement cost valuations are done mostly for insurance purposes. So if you're going to renew your insurance policies, that's the type of report you would do. It's different from, say, a financing report, which is income-based and based on a price per square foot. A replacement cost valuation relies upon uh, costing manuals that are sort of recognized by the insurance industry. And it's basically how much uh, those manuals would suggest it would be to replace the structure that you have um, currently. Are you seeing a big delta in regards to what people are paying and what the replacement cost value of a building might be in today's construction costs? There, there often can be, right? I mean, some of the appeal of some of these office buildings that you know often trade you know, in the downtown core or uh, in suburban locations, um, but the buyers of these types of assets will often you know go back to the basics and say, "Well, I'm buying it for less than what it would cost me to do to build this," right? So that's kind of like just the last check, just to see like a final check on value sometimes, right? To understand or unlock the value of an asset. Like if we go back to basics, well, how much would it cost me to build this? property. And that's one thing I think we've seen quite a bit on a, a buyer's strategy over the past year, two years, as construction costs have continued to tick upwards. People are looking at stuff and they're buying things for three, four, five million and the replacement cost appraisal is coming back at five or six or seven million sometimes. And that can kind of solidify a purchaser's decision to purchase the property because if they were to buy the land and then construct the building, it would cost them far more versus if they bought the existing asset. And that seems to be a strategy that a lot of companies have leaned back on over the past little while here. Yeah, no, I agree. And especially when you layer on the added holding costs with the interest rate rise, that replacement cost is uh, is an even more compelling argument when you start to consider that. Um, when you think of it from the perspective of a single family home, um, if you're building a house in the West Side, it's eight hundred thousand dollars a square foot. There's real value to be had for buying an existing, say, ten year old house because it's probably not going to cost you that, and you get the land with it. Now, you mentioned there earlier about multifamily and stuff like that. What markets are you guys maybe seeing a trend in with regards to multifamily developments being you mean, developed from the appraisal standpoint? Are you seeing a lot more activity and being asked to do more work, say, in like a, a Squimalt area on Vancouver Island or a, a BC interior market or even a Fraser Valley market? Where are you guys seeing a lot of that development stuff happen that you guys are working on? So some of the island stuff that I've worked on has been Langdale, putting on some stuff in Duncan, Victoria, and all those markets seem to be reporting really strong uh, rental rate growth. And we're seeing the same thing in the interior as well. So I guess I guess the big question that I want to ask you here, so if, I, if I've got Ryan Wong's checkbook here, where am I buying what asset class and why? 
I think if you can ever get your hands on, you know, a, a core office building in a good location, I think uh, that's always a you know, safe bet. Now, is there any markets that you would stay away from? Is there anything you've seen a, maybe a more dramatic of a downturn over the past little while that you, you think trends will kind of continue in that way in a negative way? I would say that office and commercial strata, even retail strata to a lesser extent, really exploded in growth in the last half of 2021 and probably the first quarter of 2022. And I think that has stabilized a bit. So that's one area I might um, be a little bit more cautious on right now. So one thing that we've talked about on the show quite a bit is is when people are acquiring assets, trying to create value-add opportunities for themselves, whether that be buying a small building and maybe you add some curb appeal to it. Essentially, the goal is to try to get the income on the property up. Can you maybe talk to a little bit how an appraisal might look at that or how a buyer may be able to commission an appraisal? If I'm buying a building and my rents are, let's just say for argument's sake, $10 a foot, and I feel market is $20 a foot for my asset, how would an appraisal sort of you know show that value if it, if it was ever asked for, whether it be by a bank or even a buyer there? How can we kind of get like an as-completed value on that? I mean, sometimes you're looking at a rent roll or some of the deals that have been done and you're wondering why why are they low? Why are those rents lower than what you would have anticipated? There's a few landlords that don't want to put any tenant improvement work or landlord's work and reinvest into their space. So tenants are taking those those uh, premises on more of an as-is basis where they got to improve it at their own cost, right? So that would explain why rents are low and maybe there's some upside. I've seen other cases where there's demolition clauses within leases, and those might be um, able to be exercised on six months written notice. So when you have situations like that, it depresses the rent, right? Because right. it reduces the pool of potential tenants that are willing to lease that space. So if you're you know, looking at a longer-term view of an asset and maybe repositioning it, you know, redoing the common areas or what have you, or being, you know, being able to or willing to invest in space and maybe getting rid of the, some of those demolition clauses, then maybe you have an opportunity to, to grow the rent there in that scenario. So we had we had a listener that I was talking to that emailed me a question for you. So he was looking at a property and in the property, for argument's sake, let's say there was five particular tenant, tenant, tenable spaces. And of those, only maybe half of them were currently tenanted. How can they draw a value of the vacant spaces because he said at the time he was trying to acquire it, he was having a tough time adding, figuring out what what those spaces were worth to him and he ended up not buying it. He said, fast forward two years, it was probably one of the dumbest decisions he made. But at the time, he had trouble trying to value the vacant spaces. From an appraisal standpoint, how would you look at a building like that? How would you create a market value for that considering it's maybe 50% tenanted at market rents? So, in doing that income approach, we, we do what we call stabilize the income. And when I say stabilize the income, we would apply market rent to that space, given what we think you know our community of market rent is. But we would also make an allocation for what we call a lease-up cost. So there's going to be a, a, you know X number of months, likely, or years, depending upon what market you're working in, that that space is going to be vacant. So there's going to be a loss of base rent, operating costs, and taxes. There's probably going to be a tenant improvement allowance involved. There could be some landlord's work involved. And there's going to be a leasing commission that's going to be paid to a broker doing that deal. So you would have a stabilized cash flow representing a, representing a building that's fully leased, but you'd have to make those deductions that I mentioned to understand the value that you'd be willing to pay today. The same listener asked me, where do appraisers get their information from? And I don't know if you can sort of divulge all your secrets there, but is there, I mean, on the MLS type of thing with regards to the residential 
know, everything registers, everything can be sort of public information. On the commercial side, leases are private contracts between landlords and tenants. And there's a lot of things that go into a commercial purchase versus say maybe a condo that can be directly compared to the neighbor. In a commercial purchase, the purchase could be paid, purchased by for an owner-occupier use, maybe a value-add use, future development use. Where do you guys get all your information from when you're trying to put all this stuff together on paper to give a value to these projects and properties you're appraising? No, that's a great question. So if we're looking at sales comparables, what's actually selling in the market, there are services like, you know, Paragon Commercial, Real Net, Land Titles Offices, and those track actual closed transactions, right? On the leasing side, it gets a little bit more difficult because, as you say, there's no you know central registry or anything like that where people have to report these lease deals that are taking place. So there, an appraiser really has to rely on their network of contacts. So it's brokers, property managers, owners that that trust us with that information to keep to ourselves, informing those um, those value opinions, right? But with both both lease and sale research, you have to be mindful that. Um, you know, those deals could have been negotiated months or years in advance. So they may not be indicative of the current market. Even if a property sold, say, in February 2023, um, if it was negotiated in summer 2022, then it's really more indicative of the market in summer 2022 rather than the current. So you do have to be careful that you speak to the, some of the parties involved in these transactions to really find out what was driving these decisions. When, when did these decisions take place? Let's say let's say I'm a I'm a purchaser and I, I see a development piece of land or potentially a development piece of land in a market that I, I'm I'm you know comfortable buying in. I'm struggling to figure out maybe my construction costs. I'm struggling to figure out what are the end values of this project. Maybe it's multifamily for purpose built rental. Can I come to you early on in the game and say, I mean, I've got this piece of land tied up. I'm potentially looking at constructing it and either keeping it or selling it. Can you guys add that support through the appraisal process of adding value to like construction costs and costs and what might as completed costs? Can you maybe walk us through a little bit of how that would work from the appraisal side if a client commissions you very early on to try to figure out those numbers before making decisions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's literally half of every day for me. It's um, speaking with clients that are looking at going after a site, a building, anything, and just running a second opinion past me, just getting my thoughts on it on what I think rents might be in the area, cap rates, condo selling values, construction costs, all of it. Usually they're holding that conversation with me a couple months prior to them actually getting a property under contract when it hits, when a listing hits their death. So I, that's absolutely that's something that I'm very comfortable doing. And now kind of a second part to that question, because most of our listeners will associate an appraisal with I'm buying a piece of property, I've got to get financing, the bank tells me I have to go get an appraiser now to give a report. Can you maybe talk or speak to other types of appraisals that you do, who commissions you? What other people out there besides typical purchasers need need commercial appraisals? I mean, it's going to be purchasers or owners typically, but banks worked with what they call an approved list of appraisers. So they want to do business with appraisers that they feel do a good job because by having an appraiser, appraisal that's reliable, it makes a banker's job easier too, right? So um, they'll often submit these lists to the borrowers and the borrowers will then contact the appraisers to to arrange that appraisal. So um, the person commissioning it is usually going to be the borrower, purchaser, the owner. Now, are you guys also commissioned, let's say, in divorce circumstances, court-ordered sales? Is there other avenues there that you guys will have to provide appraisals, maybe not just for a buyer and seller situation? 
Yeah, it can it can be for a variety of reasons. If we're working on you know an institutional file, it can be for you know financial reporting to shareholders. That's pretty common. Uh, but yeah, matrimonial disputes, um, estate purposes, estate planning, arbitration, any sort of any type of litigation that you can think of. Um, yeah, we can act in all those sort of uh, situations. Ryan, you're on you're on the front lines here. We're going to ask you to take out your crystal ball here for a second, and just so you know, everything you say, we hold you to it. And we fact check everything. Where oh, no. is the real estate market going in 2023? And where are we at in 2024? What's Ryan's prediction? I mean, I think we're going to see a little bit of stabilization on the interest rate side. And I think that will hopefully uh, spur a little bit more activity. I, I think it's probably going to start uh, ramping up probably uh, in the last half of the year. And hopefully we're, we're sort of back on track in, in 2024. So Ryan, I, I know we have a tight timeline here with you today, but before we let you go, we have a, a six-pack of lighthearted questions we ask all of our guests so we get to know you a little bit more outside of the office. Can we steal you for just two more minutes? All right, let's do it. The six-pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team, these are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, first question up. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? With, uh, with a young family, you can't go wrong with Kauai. So oh. we're actually going there for spring break. So Any particular hotel that you guys frequent or anything over there? We had we had Maui on last week's guest, Alex Messina from Nicola Wealth, pick Maui, family-related as well. Is there anywhere in Waikiki particular that you're going? Uh, we like to stay close to the Strip. It's, it's close to all the restaurants. You can still hit the beach pretty easily, uh, but it's got all our favorite restaurants and shopping there. All right. Second question. Found yourself on death row. What is your last meal? Ooh. If they would allow me to fly to any Nobu as a, as a last dying wish, mm. then that would do it for me. Whether it's Vegas, New York, LA, any, any of those will do. Whatever, whatever uh, restaurant is closest to the prison, I guess. And what, you, <laughs> <laughs> and what are you ordering? Uh, I would probably get uh, their sable fish. That, that's top of mind. Mm. I've, I've never frequented Nobu before, no. but I definitely will have to next time I'm in town where I can find one. That sounds pretty good. Favorite band or musician? Uh, how about, uh, could I say like a favorite genre? Sure. Yeah, go right ahead. I don't, I don't know if I can narrow it down there. I, I'm I'm a big 90s R&B guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. My, the 90s had the best. That's my genre. That, that's my real on right there. Yo, so, can you throw it a... Any, any artists in particular? Um, Bobby Brown. Oh, that's a good oh. one. That's a good one. Man. Uh, someone newer. Usher? Like a <laughs> Usher, yeah. 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 90s had the best music, whether sure. it was rap or rock or R&B. 90s was the best by a landslide. So seconding that question now, you're sitting in Hawaii. You're feeling great. You've had a couple glasses of wine. Someone throws a karaoke mic in front of you. What song are you singing? Ooh, it's probably going to be Every Little Step, Bobby Brown. Oh. Um, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be done well, but um I love that. That would probably be the one. Yeah. Great choice. Awesome. Okay, next question. What's your book recommendation you think every listener should read? I think everyone has to read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers at some point. Right. It's it, 
there's a lot of uh, there's some easily relatable stories that he has in there. That's uh, a such good such a good storyteller. Great selection. Uh, last question, Ryan, for you. What's a piece of advice you might give a listener, maybe a commercial investor for 2023, knowing the current economic situation that we're in? Of advice I might give commercial real estate investor. It's easy to get caught up in uh, excitement or what's going on around you, whether that's land banking or a lot of future price escalations or value appreciation, but to uh, stay disciplined in what you are um, trying to do in your own business, right? And don't get swayed by what you know might be the trend around you. Great advice. And Ryan, for all of our listeners who maybe need commercial appraisals or need to commission appraisals for other reasons, how can our listeners get a hold of you? You can, uh, you can send me an email anytime, ryan.wong at ryan.com. And uh, I'll make it a point to get back to you as quick as I can. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate it. We know you're a really busy guy. And thanks for providing your insight here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, Ryan. Well, thanks very much for having me on, guys. Thanks so much, Ryan. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. And there you have it, folks, our interview with Ryan Wong of Ryan talking all about commercial appraisals in BC. That was a great conversation. I have to say the appraisal process for commercial real estate is pretty different than residential. So I learned a lot. Well, in residential, like typically it's comparison, right? Whether yeah. you're buying it for investment or whether you're buying it to move into it. Like, yep. you know, I mean, it's very easy to probably, I shouldn't say easy, but it's easier to kind of track the appraisal process and how properties are worth. In commercial, you have so many different asset classes. And property can be purchased in so many different ways. Maybe you're purchasing a property as an owner-occupier to run your business. Maybe you're buying the land for future development. Maybe you're buying the multifamily building for pure investment purposes. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a value add where you're going to buy and you know do some rentals or some exterior work on it and drive the rents up. There's just so many different ways a property can be purchased that I think a lot of people don't understand how much goes into the appraisal process and how those numbers can change so much. And then Ryan also talks about how Information isn't readily available, like mm -hmm. maybe in the residential side where you have, you know, BC assessment, properties get registered, they go through land titles, and there's sort of a tracking process. You've got the MLS out there. In commercial, a lot of that information is private and confidential. Yeah. So there's not the same tracking available. So for them to have their access to information, frontline information, current information is really interesting. And I know whenever I see a commercial appraisal, whether it's something that we've commissioned ourselves for a purchase or a client's ever shared one with us, I, I love taking the time to go through and reading them because you learn so much and you find out all these other properties have sold that you had no idea sold. Right. So it's a great education thing. So highly recommend to our listeners there that if they uh, ever get their hands on a commercial appraisal, which will sometimes feel like a small novel, make your, take your time, read it. And then before we end for the day, Melissa, you were very adamant before I hit the microphone here that you looked at me straight in the eyes. And I, you know, I mean, you've got a great personality to you, but you were really serious here. You, you said to me, no Nickelback. And you, you said it three times. I went to hit the record button. You slapped my hand and you said, no Nickelback. I, I said, I promise. I, I hit can't record. believe we're even having this conversation. <sighs> I almost feel the need to just turn off the mic at this point. World tour. Like, this is going to be a conversation no. point for the next probably right. 12 months. All right. I'm going to cut you off there. You said you're going for lunch. You're in a bit of a rush. Yes. We're very okay. tight here. Corey, that's it for the day. How can we get a hold of you? So if people for all their commercial real estate needs, they can visit our website, williamwright.ca. They can call our Vancouver office, 604-428-5255 anytime. Let us know what asset class they're looking for, and we'll put you in touch with the best agent for your asset uh, class within the province. Or you can send me an email 
Corey at WilliamWright.ca. And Melissa, for all of our listeners here that want to get involved in this crazy hot real estate market that's just on the cusp of taking off, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, you can call me at 778-869-4477 or Melissa at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Another great episode in the can there. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you. See you next week. Subscribe today.